Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, and it is great to be back. We missed a couple of weeks because we have been very busy with an event, Learning Technology Design. We just completed that. It happened May 18th and 19th uh, in Arlington, Virginia. And what we want to devote today's episode to is an after-action review. But before we jump in, we want to make a few thank yous, uh, especially to YM Learning, who sponsored the Learning Technology Design event. Yes, uh, without YM, this really wouldn't have been possible, and uh, there are also a lot of other people uh, without whom this would not have been possible. So our our advisors, our speaker facilitators, our exhibitors, we're going to make sure that for all of those people, we we link uh, to them in the show notes. Uh, We had so many people involved that we we don't want to name them all here, but... uh, my gosh, I, I'm sure you know we have so many listeners who are in a position similar to ours, where they go out and hold events and they know what it feels like afterwards. To you know that, that they shh, boy, you know, <laughs> glad to glad to have that done. <laughs> glad we did it. Um, but uh, as you said, you know, we're now gonna we're gonna step back, do what we did with the Leading Learning Symposium um, back in the fall. In fact, we'll we'll link back to that. We did an after action review on on that as well. And you know, while it's still fresh in our minds, we just want to take a little bit of time and look at learning technology design and and you know reflect on it a little bit. So just as a refresher, the after action review uh, asks four questions. So the first one is, what did we set out to do? Uh, The second one is, what actually happened? The third is, why is there a difference between the first two? And then the fourth, um, what should we continue and what should we change? So that's sort of the framework that we kind of want to have in mind as we're discussing uh, LTD and how it went. And, and, you know, as with uh, our symposium after action review, we're not going to be terribly buttoned up and, and academic about that. But um, but that's just a, you know, it's a nice framework for, for doing some some meaningful reflection. And uh, so let's just, I mean, let's start off with, um, you know, kind of this this overarching theme of learning technology design, you know, and, and why we tackled that in the in the, the first place. So, you know, what, what did we set out to, to, to do with that? Um, why do we even think we needed an event about that in, in the first place? So in terms of the why event, I, I think we both saw a, a gap and a potential opportunity in terms of really serving the folks who are involved in the learning aspect uh, of their business. A lot of um, folks working with trade and professional associations who have that continuing education, that professional development, that learning aspect of their business. And while there are different events out there that talk about technology or talk about learning, uh, there didn't seem to really be one that kind of 
put it together from that business standpoint for people who are really serving that kind of market-facing need of adult learners? Yeah, we, we just saw a gap. Like you said, I mean, there, there are good conferences out there on you know training and development, definitely ones that focus on technology. There are good association events out there, but ones that really focus in on you know the, the business of education, being in the business of education, and, and one that's you know market-facing towards adult learners. That just was not out there. And of course, you know, that was the same that was the same sentiment that um, uh, drove us towards doing the symposium in the fall. But the symposium was really, you know, aimed at uh, leadership level folks. I mean, people who have the at the vision and strategy, wrestling with the, the big changes that are happening out there, and you know what to do with that with respect to their organization. We also wanted something that was more about you know kind of the front lines, the hands-on, rubber meets the road type stuff. So this was, uh, I'd say, our more tactical um, sort of event uh, for professionals. Absolutely. And then in, in terms of the the name, the learning technology design, we went with that just because we feel like those three things together are extremely import, important. You know, if you have one or two, but not the the other or others, then it just isn't as, um, you're not doing as a effective a job as you as you can be doing. And one thing we talked about um, and used, I guess, at the, the closing session on, on day two is we talked about sort of a kind of a Venn diagram of learning and technology and design. And, you know, if you have just uh, learning and design, but without uh, technology, then you might have a really, you know, well-kept secret because if you're not leveraging that technology to kind of be able to uh, get the word out to more people about what you have or even to meet the needs of more people with technology, then, you know, you might have a great thing, but you're probably not serving as many people as you can. Yeah, and if you've got technology and design together but no real learning going on, you've got that great, you know, shiny object syndrome that, uh, that so many organizations uh, fall prey to. And then, I mean, finally, uh, if you've just got uh, technology and learning together uh, with with no design um, whatsoever, then you're going to get the, the overload that we all yeah. feel the fire hose the fire effect, hose. as we put it in the conference. So, you know, you really do have to have all three working well together in concert, and uh, you know, and so we recognize that. Um, we also, you know, to, to to tell the truth, took a little page from um, technology entertainment design. Everybody knows Ted. Ted. Now you've got LTD. So one of the things we talked about at the opening session on, on day one was, um, you know, we looked at just the fact that there seems to be such huge opportunity, right? When you think about learning Massive, and yeah. learning and technology in particular these days, uh, and, and Jeff, I know you talked about a few examples, things like... Yeah, I mean, and I didn't really even name them so much, but uh, we had up on the screen, you know, Coursera, uh, Udemy, Khan Academy. Um, I mean, we all know these just big, huge, you know, technology and learning plays that are happening out there right now, lynda.com. Um, and you would think, you know, with what technology has made possible that, you know, access is just blown open worldwide for learners, for professionals, you know, who want to uh, develop learning, and it has. I mean, obviously, there you know, there's a lot going on. Millions of people participating in these types of activities, but but there's still a big gap. And um, we drew on some of the the research out of uh, the the Pew Research Center, that nonpartisan fact tank. And actually, I interviewed John Hargan here for the Leading Learning podcast uh, a few episodes ago. But we drew on their recent report around um, lifelong learning and technology. And you look at that, and the vast majority of Americans uh, are not at all familiar or not very familiar with things like Khan Academy, uh, massive open online courses, digital badges, and even just distance learning. 
Yeah, and it's amazing because that, that Pew study came in, um, or you know, we became aware of it just a, a month or two before this event. Uh, it only came out in like February. It was in like March. March. March, March. Yeah. Um, you know, nice thing about having a, a small, agile event is we were able to factor that into how we looked at things and talked about the state of of learning and technology and design right now. So brought that to bear. But then we also brought some of our own research to bear on this. That's right, because uh, you know, if you think about why is it that so many Americans or adults living in America, that's who Pew focused on in their research, why so many of them aren't familiar with these these technologies that are really enhancing and changing the way that that we're learning, you know, you have to ask yourself why is there this gap? And I and I will just add that it's interesting that not only do the vast majority um, the vast majority of of adults living in America aren't familiar with those terms, but at the same time they identify as lifelong learners. Mm. So they say, yes, that phrase, lifelong learner, applies to me very well, and yet they have no idea about these, these technology uh, advancements that are, that are happening and really impacting learning. But so you have to ask yourself why. You know, if you have these people who identify as lifelong learners, but uh, they, they aren't aware of this. And so one of the reasons might be the fact that, you know, there aren't very many associations uh, engaging uh, and offering uh, some of these um, cutting edge uh, technologies, things like digital badges and MOOCs. And that's where we did present some of our data from the Association Learning Plus Technology Report, where you see that very few associations, I think just a little over 6% of uh, associations said that they are doing something around MOOCs. Um, and even uh, micro-credentialing actually was the, the highest of kind of those um, uh, different emerging uh, types of learning. And those were, uh, even that was under a fifth of respondents. So, you know, th there's, there's clearly room for growth. And then you think about if, if associations are going to be the way that a lot of um, working adults get exposure to and find out about these advancements, then it seems like you know, we need associations to sort of step in if we're going to have the lifelong learners more generally aware. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, but then, you know, at the same time, we pointed out that, um, you know, data from something like the, the Pew Report uh, really is focused much more at uh, kind of structured, formal type education. Um, you know, and a lot of the questions that were aimed at the people who were participating in that survey uh, also more towards kind of structured, formal type education. And as we pointed out, and I think we all know this, you know, at one level or another, you know, that's, that's not the way most of us are doing a lot of our learning uh, these days. And I threw up a slide, maybe we can actually manage to get that into the show notes too, uh, kind of taking a, a quick pass at my own uh, personal learning inventory, the types of things, you know, that I do uh, learning on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, and I participate in communities, I listen to podcasts, I look at videos, I use Wikipedia, you know, I use my uh, Evernote for note-taking and reviewing things. I mean, any number of things. I mean, this podcast, you know, is one of my main uh, learning mechanisms and that's in no way represented in, in, in something like the, the, the Pew data. So we're just learning differently. And, you know, in, in that opening session and really throughout, you know, we're, we're trying to say, okay, well, you know, what does that mean for uh, learners these days and, and how we approach learning? What does it mean for organizations? You know, how do we need to be thinking differently uh, about the role that we play uh, for, for learners? And just given that list that you just uh, enumerated there, I mean, those were questions and that was a theme that we... Um, brought to LTD, we kind of had a questioning framework. Um, and we asked in that uh, opening session some of the questions like like you just asked, uh, Jeff. But we also asked people to be very um, thoughtful about why they were there. And so we asked them to uh, first think about you know why they're there, what, what's one thing 
um, that they really want to achieve by the time they they finish that event? And I think that's a fairly typical question. I think that you know gets off asked uh, often at um, at events. But we added a second question as well. Yeah, well, we asked you know people to focus on you know well to say you know what if their focus was really on helping others here? You know what what would that look like? What would they do? Um, what could they offer out of their knowledge and experience? And and, and just to you know to raise these up, like you said, I mean you know often the the uh, why am I here? What I want out of this kind of question is raised, but you know I, I don't think it's actually raised and focused on at a conscious level and then carried throughout the event in a, in a way that you keep returning to it and and, and have to keep you know asking yourself what am I getting out of this and then what am I sharing out of this and what am I bringing to it and we try to make all of that you know very conscious uh, throughout the event and so we did return to those questions we returned at the closing session of day one and and said okay you know we asked you this morning to reflect on and to do some sharing around you know why you're here and what you can give while you're here so what what can you get and what can you give and then we asked people to actually think back on the day and share with others something that they got something that they learned or something that they gave um and we gave them a again a, a framework for for doing that we um went really old school and then went Very all, old school. <laughs> that's right, all the way back to Socrates and we looked at some of the ways that he would use questioning to really help um, his uh, students uh, to to really question, dig deeper, to um, uh, to better understand you know their knowledge or their ideas and so we talked about uh, four different types of questioning. Uh, he had sort of a gadfly and the stingray and the midwife and the ignoramus and so we we gave examples of those and then as people shared something that they gave or got during the day then someone responded to them with a question to dig a little deeper or to to probe a bit yeah and as, you know as part of that we we did some modeling too i mean we didn't just throw that up there and say hey try this out uh um, you know, we, we went out and got somebody to volunteer, um, uh, did a little Socratic questioning with them, got them to turn around and do some Socratic questioning, you know, with uh, somebody else. And, you know, th- this starts to highlight this. This is this was not the kind of event to come to and expect to sit in a corner and, you know, not be involved and, and not participate. I think anybody, you know, who's familiar with our events at this point knows that uh, we may not get it perfect, but uh, um, we're definitely going to expect people to, to roll up their sleeves and, and get involved with it and be active learners. And this was, these were very much, you know, active learning uh, type uh, uh, sessions that we were that we were holding and then to start day two we continued that theme of you know you need to be active you need to be doing things while you're there and and we kind of turned to the third element we sort of had focused more uh, day one in the morning on learning and technology so on uh, the beginning of day two we really wanted to think about that third element about design and so we drew on design thinking yeah, and you know, so I think um, design thinking has been a bit of a buzz term, you know, for a while now. Um, you know, some people tuned into it more than others. You know, and it's one of those things that takes a, a pretty simple idea, which is that you really need to empathize with and understand your your users. In our case, you know, your learner as deeply as possible. Really get at their motiva- motivations and start building, you know, from there um, to you know creating uh, a potential um, designs or really even you know. Uh, creating potential statements about the user's need, and then from there, moving into how you might 
um, address that need. But all of that, you know, very, very question driven. Um, we look to the, uh, the Stanford School of Design, which is you know, very famous for this and, and just used a what they call a um, point of view Mad Lib is, is sort of an exercise there to, to have folks really try to dig into, you know, creating a or thinking of a specific type of uh, adult learner, um, trying to identify what that person really needs, trying to come up with some surprising insights uh, around that, you know, from which they then might move into, okay, what, what do we do uh, about that? And so that, that was also very active, having people really dig in on, on, on doing that. And, and I have to say, you know, we, we asked, uh, you know, afterwards, did people find that, you know, difficult to do or not? And, and most people say they, they didn't, um, but, I'll, but I'll mark, you know, and, and, and in a moment here, I think we need to come back and talk about, you know, how are we doing on all of this? Did it achieve what we wanted to? And, you know, the, those types of questions around an after-action review. Um, I'm not convinced it was as easy as they thought it was um, because as I listened to the responses coming from the tables, I don't think people were digging deep enough, um, not nearly deep enough, and I think that's a fundamental problem. And it kept coming up throughout the uh, the discussions. You know, um, it's, it's really kind of that lingering, we built it, but they didn't come um, sort of thing that's going on. And people are thinking about that from a learning perspective. They're thinking about it from a marketing perspective. Um, and, you know, it was em emphasized again and again, you, you know, if you don't dig deep initially, really get down into that user need at a, at a motivational level, at, a, at an emotional level, really, and build the product from there and then build the marketing out from there, you're going to be stuck with that, you know, if uh, we built it and, and they don't come sort of uh, scenario. I think that good design is deceptively simple. Oh, always, Yes. And so, yeah, I think that it's not hard to complete the activity because, mm -hmm. you know, it's that Mad Lib, right? All you got to do is fill in the blanks. Right. But it's, uh, it's tricky to really get to that, that surprising insight and actually have it be a surprising insight that then leads you off on this path to, to discovery of what can you do yeah. with that insight. I mean, it takes, it takes discipline and I mean, you have to keep, you have to keep probing. You have to keep asking why we didn't bring this up as a specific framework, but the whole idea of the, the five whys to dig deeper and deeper into something. And, and you have to press yourself to, to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think, um, you know, with that particular activity, I think, I mean, it, it went well and I, and I think people, you know, were participating in it and getting something out of it. Um, but it's the type of thing that thinking back on, you know, I would love to be able to spend a, a half a day or a full day really, really digging into to, to design approaches. And I think you have to in order to kind of keep pushing yourself to really get to where that, that can take you. And so the last uh, full group kind of general session was at the, the close of, of day one, excuse me, close of day two. Mm. And uh, for that, we brought together what we called kind of a, a dynamic um, rotating panel. And so the idea here was that um, you know, for panels, you often have your kind of pre-selected panelists, and then they're up there, and people subject them to questions, and and you hear from from them. And um, we wanted to to borrow on that model, but we wanted it to be more dynamic in the sense of, okay, what if anybody could be on that panel, and what if um, people could could hop up and be on the panel based on, oh, I actually have some experience or expertise that matches up with that question. So let me get up there and and share that. Yeah, and this was one of those areas, and we said this at the event. You know, we we like to work without a net to a certain extent. You know, we we, we consider these events. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're very attuned to making sure we deliver a very high value experience, and, and we're not going to do anything that's you know is 
is ultimately going to endanger that. But at the same time, you know, we want to take a few risks and, and try out some things that hopefully then if, if they work and work well, our attendees are going to be able to take them and try them out as well because they're all running uh, events, most of them. Um, so this was one where, you know, we came up with this dynamic panel concept. Um, you know, we did our best to kind of hedge our bets and, and make sure that uh, it, it was going to work, that we were going to have some people who were going to be willing to participate and ask questions and things like that. Um, but in the end, um, I mean, it was good we did that. And I would recommend, you know, everybody hedge their bets when they try something <laughs> like this. But, it, but you know, people came up. I mean, that, that, that panel rotated through several times and with people that, you know, we had no idea if they were going to be the people coming up there and, and being on the panel. And, um, you know, and it got a little bit chaotic at times. It maybe wasn't, you know, sometimes as succinct and, you know, as, as rapid fire as we might have liked. But that's what we would have liked, you know, that, that's the sort of controlling mentality. And we just sort of had to let it go and let it become what it did. And I, I think what it became was great. I mean, we had really great discussion going on for, you know, close to 45 minutes there um, and, and before we stopped it because we were running out of time. I mean, I think we could have kept going for quite a while. Yeah, I think people were engaged. I, I think that it, for me, this would be an interesting um, concept to revisit and see if we can get a little tighter around it because uh, I, I think there was also a tendency in the room to kind of um, move into to commenting and kind of keep going Mm-hmm. deeper on, um, not even deeper, but keep going longer yeah. <laughs> on one question. And, you know, I think that's, uh, it's, we tend to, someone says something and then someone responds and then you kind of piggyback on that and it keeps going and building. But I, I think it would have been, or could have been nicer to see like, you know, what if after you get kind of one substantive response, you move on to the next question. But it's funny there, I, I felt like the room was more full of, uh, was fuller of comments than questions. Mm. Yeah, that, 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 that's probably a fair statement. And, um, you know, I think it's probably the type of format, too, that um, people probably have to experience a little bit and get their heads around a little bit. And I, and I imagine it's the type of thing that you've got, if you've got a room full of at least some people who are kind of seasoned dynamic panelists, it's going to change the dynamic. I agree with that. I think that's true. So I think it would be fun to, to play with again, get a little tighter on our um, kind of guidelines that we're giving people. And then, right, I think the familiarity that folks bring to it will, will it would help it to flow a little bit yep. better and be that much more of a of a good experience and a, a valuable experience so so maybe we need to talk about you know the sort of specific uh, content that was provided outside of this kind of framework that we're talking about everything we've been talking about so far has been kind of our our general sessions everybody's in the same room together I mean everybody at the event and including the exhibitors all in you know one main uh, Hall at the uh, NRECA Conference Center in, in Arlington in, in this case. And so we've had, you know, this opening, uh, we've had a closing of end of day one, we've had an opening of uh, day two, closing of day two that's kind of framed everything. And like we said, it was this questioning framework. And, you know, I guess before we move on to talking about uh, what was then going on and kind of the, the content uh, segments of the, uh, that seems like such an artificial distinction. I mean, all of this is, is content, all of this is experience, but our, I guess sort of our, our framing efforts before we get to the, um, the, the, the other stuff that, that we were doing. Um, and, you know, from an after action review perspective, you know, you know, how, how, how well did that go to the, 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 the questioning sort of approach, uh, work. And, and we should probably say up front, you know, um, the kind of, you know, what did we set out to do? I mean, we weren't, we weren't a hundred percent sure, um, going into the event that, uh, that, that the questioning framework, um, we didn't have it nailed down exactly. I mean, we were, we were able to kind of organically develop a little bit really, you know, right as we were going into the event because we'd gotten so much input ahead of time. And I think because it was a small event and, you know, we're very kind of entrepreneurial in how we uh, approach events, 
we were able, this whole questioning sort of framework really emerged pretty close to the, the actual event um, taking off. Well, we had the concept of questioning for, for a number of, of weeks, but True. you know, in terms of exactly how we uh, carried it out and exactly, you know, because questioning obviously is a huge subject and there are any number of people, you know, from Socrates on up to, you know, Warren Berger has a recent book on questioning. I just think that, you know, it's a, so we weren't sure exactly where we were going to land in terms of exactly who we wanted to use, or you even mentioned the five whys, you know, all these things we had sort of floating around as potential uh, ways to to talk about questioning, but right, exactly how we landed happened pretty close to the event itself. But all in all, I mean, I think it, you know, that worked out as a, as a good framework. Um, you know, we're probably not going to repeat the framework from event to event, but I think just, I think the idea of having a, a framework overall, and we probably, I think we probably had more of one coming into this event than even going into the symposium in, in some ways. I mean, the symposium had themes and threads running through it. I guess that was kind of our, our framework. Um, but uh, I mean, I think one of our comments after that was we didn't ma- maybe manage to sort of really connect that into as tight a framework as I, as I think we pretty much did here. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like uh, we set out to, to frame everything well and to, and to, to kind of uh, put that context around it. And, and, and I think for the most part, we're able to, to pull that off in, in, in this first event. Yeah, I agree. So um, why don't we break here and um, we'll pick up in, in the next episode and, and talk about the rest of the uh, what we did at LTD. But in the meantime, I will mention that the site for LTD is still up and available and gives you information about what we did this year at ltd.leadinglearning.com. We'll be putting up a, a sign-up sheet if you're interested in joining us for LTD 2017. And also to get the show notes for everything that we have talked about so far, you can just go to leadinglearning.com forward slash episode 35. Um, so again, you know, we have a lot more to talk about here, a lot more to cover, uh, but we don't want to make one episode too long. So we will see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.